Thank you very much for praying for us. And it is a, a great joy to be here. It's a wonderful uh, thing to meet up at the Globe. Of course, everybody's talking about you. Only very few people actually get, to get the privilege of coming to meet you. And uh, uh, I'm happy that uh, uh, John T. gave me the excuse to come. But let me pray first, and then we'll read. Now, Father, we do want to thank you that it's when we look into the Bible that we see how those words that we've just sung are true. You are the giver of life. And we want to pray, Lord, that you will please, as we study your word tonight, give us that great life that uh, 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 generates uh, a love for the Lord Jesus and uh, brings others into the experience and knowledge of that love as well. So please, would you launch us into the new year to do what Commission does, which is to evangelize and plant churches and help our study tonight to put strength into us for that work. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. We're doing the whole lot, so... Uh, <clears throat> Let's uh, get going. Uh, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. 
In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scriptures had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received from his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, and so they called that field in their language Akodama, which is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. And so he was added to the eleven disciples. Don't shut it. We'll be looking closely. Now, friends, it is just lovely to meet you, but I just want to sort of uh, come clean and ask you a simple question. Well, isn't it, isn't coming to the Globe Church a bit of a strange thing to do? I don't mean that you are strange, but that having a Globe Church here or other churches in London, isn't that a bit strange? Because if you look at the top of most churches, you see uh, that site, there's a cross at the top, which tells you that the story doesn't end well, and Jesus dies, and you cut the head off, and the body is going to lose life very quickly after that. And the leftovers, if you count the group that are there, they look impressive, perhaps 120, but when you actually look at what you've got, you've got... Uh, fishermen the likes and there's no Steve Jobs there with a great uh, product to sell and a great empire through which to make it known these are also rands uh, nothing remarkable or special so how is it that there are more churches in the world than there are apple shops more bibles than iPhones and the answer to the question is found in this book of Acts. And it is a, an important book that we want to look at and look at tonight because we want to go church planting and evangelizing. And it is just a, a, a very helpful place to start because if you miss it and you go on to the next book, you find yourself going through the rest of the New Testament, finding all sorts of churches, and um, you wouldn't have an idea where those churches came from if you didn't read Acts first. And most of those letters written to the other churches were written by a man called Apostle Paul. 
And he would have come up from nowhere as well if you didn't know how he became a Christian in Acts. So Acts is a really helpful place to begin and to understand why there are churches. And it didn't uh, come out originally in book short form, more like a, a kitchen roll. Uh, it's a long papyrus that Luke wrote in. And uh, in that uh, 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 book, uh, he helps us to understand why we've got uh, a church that uh, uh, keeps growing right through the world and multiplying through London as well. And there are two simple reasons. And there are two reasons that will keep us on our feet going out with the gospel through this new year. And the two simple reasons are this. First, because Jesus is active. And second, when we get there, it's because Jesus is king. Jesus is active. And that is exactly what Luke wants to tell us, right from verse 1 onwards. He tells us right at the start that uh, he writes a book about Jesus, what Jesus began to do and teach. And once you read a starter like that, you know that the second book is necessary because Jesus didn't stop. And so you've got this second book. And uh, Luke has got to write again. And if you want to, uh, in a nutshell, remember why it's such an encouragement to uh, just get the uh, full uh, energy and the, uh, the strength out of Acts chapter 1, uh, uh, verse 1, is that you discover this truth about Jesus, that although he is going to be physically absent, he will always be actively present. Okay? Just remember that. Because it is just uh, wonderful to see that um, uh, once Jesus starts something and he gets all that uh, down on paper or papyrus in Luke's Gospel, why we have John's Gospel between Luke and Acts, it would be a really neat thing if we had John before Luke, and then you could go from one to the other. But anyway, if you link from or out of Luke and you go into Acts, uh, you will discover how Jesus continues to do that work. What he started, he won't stop. There's probably two of us in the room who remember a program called uh, Mastermind. Trevor Archer is the other one. <laughs> and, and in... Uh, Mastermind, there was this wonderful quiz master called uh, Magnus Magnuson. That's a name to die for, isn't it? Uh, and uh, when he started, he asked these impossible questions. And uh, he gets to the end of his little time limit. And if he has started a question before the buzzer goes off, uh, what did he used to say? Exactly that. And you can check that out on Wikipedia. It's famous for saying that. And, well... That's exactly what you can say about Jesus. He started, says, I'm there shouting at the screen, look, mate, you don't need to carry on. I couldn't answer any of the other questions either. You can stop there and no one be any the wiser. But, but he started, so he finished, and Jesus is doing that with uh, his work as well. And therefore, most of these people, uh, most people call this the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, you might find some Bible versions with that heading at the top. Others would prefer to say that they are the acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit that is doing all the work in Acts. But Luke would tell you, if you look at chapter 1, verse 1 closely, that it's the acts of Jesus. And so it's the acts of Jesus through the Holy Spirit 
by the work of the apostles. I think that's how it all fits together. It's the Acts of Jesus that we're going to be talking about. And the great thing about it is that Jesus is doing those acts all the time and won't stop. You might remember that commission gets its name from uh, the end of Matthew's Gospel when Jesus uh, uh, gives a commission uh, to his apostles to go out in the world to make disciples. And he says in that commission, I will be with you always to the end of the age. And now here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you've got the second uh, great commission where Jesus devised a task and he says, well, there'll be the uh, Jews, Jerusalem and Judea, there'll be Samaria and then there'll be the ends of the earth. And... Again, in each stage, in each part, he will be with them. The Holy Spirit comes at each time to launch that particular section, to launch that particular stage, because it's the point that Jesus is making that he is there doing it. So, actually, the Acts of the Apostles have got three Pentecosts. You've got one in Acts chapter 2, where you get the launch of... Uh, uh, Jesus' work amongst the Jewish people and Judea. Then Acts chapter 8, you see Jesus is launching work amongst the Samaritans. And then in Acts chapter 10, you'll see uh, how he launches work in, um, uh, in uh, uh, Caesarea, but that will take you to the end of the book. And you finally get to the ends of the earth, which is, in their case, Rome. And so you have Jesus doing that all the time, every step of the way. And uh, in case you couldn't remember those three groups, there they are on the screen. Now, it's a wonderful thing for us to understand as we start the year, that if Luke wanted to carry on, he could have written because the book just gets bigger. He keeps going to new places, and that's why we're in London. That's why we're here tonight. And that's why you will be um, uh, encouraged through the new year because it would help you as you walk in to remember that although Jesus is physically absent, he is actively present. Luke tells you that he's going to be physically absent. When you get to uh, verse 9, he's going to tell you that Jesus is going to be taken away and hid from their sight. But he'll only get to verse 9 after telling you verse 1 that Jesus is going to still be actively present. My friends, when you walk into this church, uh, every time you get either here or wherever you are, uh, in Vauxhall on Wednesday or at uh, the lecture theatre next week, Understand Jesus is with you and he is actively at present. You won't see him, but he is here. Remember that. And he will be bringing this church to understand that as uh, the work that you do uh, is done uh, under his leadership and under his blessing. It's because he is here. It's really, really important for us to understand this is not the work of John T. and a few people uh, doing their best. This is Jesus at work here. Draw your encouragement from that.
Second thing to say is that Jesus is king. That's the other big sin. Jesus is always talking to them, as you see uh, in verse 4. He's uh, telling them about, uh, sorry, in verse 3, he's speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And therefore, they want to ask him in verse 6, where are you at this time going to bring that kingdom in? And there's a man called Calvin who says, he's a very learned theologian, and he says that there are as many errors in that question as there are words. Now, uh, I think when I sort of read things like that, I think, you know, there's someone to avoid. When we get to heaven, I think I'll be okay with the apostles. They're round about my level. Um, when I see Calvin walking down the street, I think I'll just smile and keep my mouth shut. Um, I had lots of people in, 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 in my school growing up uh, saying, um, you know how it is, you get these, these wonderful uh, Q&A sessions at the end of a lecture and uh, people would put their hands up and ask bright questions and you would put your hand up, encouraged, because they'd all say, that's a very good question, thank you for asking it. And Yes, that's a good question too. And I'd stick my, ne- my hand up and they'd say, yes, well, let's answer that one later. And, uh, <coughs> and, and, and the questions were, 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 were never impressive. Well, Calvin had, I guess, that ability to uh, deflate people, but, but, but uh, <laughs> there we are. Um, <coughs> uh, the, the whole thing was about, uh, they, they got it wrong because they said it was a political kingdom. That's what they're looking at, aren't they? Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of uh, Israel. And so Jesus has in his answer got to uh, put them right. He tells them it is going to be a spiritual kingdom. It is going to be through the work of the Holy Spirit. It is going to be an international kingdom. It would eventually uh, trundle out to the rest of the world. And it is going to be a gradual kingdom. There is going to be a spread but stage by stage, not all at once. And you could say right at the end, it is going to be an eternal kingdom when Jesus comes back. And so there's going to be uh, this uh, wonderful kingdom that is going to be uh, uh, gathering momentum and growing. And okay, they ask you a daft question about uh, when it's going to be, and they're told that it's not for them to know. But notice that they're only being corrected on the when, not on the if. It is a kingdom, and there is a king. And I want to suggest that that's going to be really important for us to hold on to because it will nerve our arm and strengthen us in three areas in this new year when it comes to church planting and evangelism. First, it will strengthen us in our evangelism because he tells them that uh, in verse 8 that they won't see God's power in a new kingdom. That's where they want to see it, but they won't see it there. But they will see God's power in them. You will receive power to be my witnesses. Uh, Jesus is king, all right, and God will establish that kingdom, all right. But our job is to proclaim that kingdom and to let people know who the king is and what he is like. And Jesus says, and you will do this. I think that's important for us to grab because this is not a law instruction. Now, look, this is what it says we must do. Let's go out and do it. That's not how it comes across. This is not law. This is grace. It is promise. You will be this. 
And that's exactly what happens. As you look through the pages, you will find that there are going to be various discouragements to hit the church. And each discouragement ends with more evangelism, not less. I can remember a guy in my last church called uh, David, and uh, he is a difficult man, and he wouldn't talk about Jesus very much, either inside the church or outside. Um, and then he got cancer, and in lots of ways he got weaker. But in his uh, October text after his... Uh, latest uh, uh, consultation uh, with his uh, uh, doctor he said his tumor had increased by 12% but he ends it by saying Kathy and I continue to trust the Lord for strength and endurance both for now and ultimately for our eternal future and he is now sending that out to everybody including lots and lots of non-Christian friends and he will be his witness. Even through that horrible time that he is experiencing. And boy, he has been. He certainly encouraged me and uh, a lot of other people too. And so Globe Church, this is your promise from a king. You will be my witnesses. And he will engineer hard times as well as good times, for that to happen. But he will make it happen. That's his promise to you in the course of this year. Take heart. It's not law. Secondly, it will give you great confidence in prayer that uh, Jesus is king. And I'll tell you why that's good news. It's good news because you can leak self-confidence as much as you like with a king like this. And you see, that's exactly what they do. Here they are in verse 8, they begin this impossible task to do. So no wonder they go away and all they can think of doing is to pray for the next 10 days until the answer comes. And it's a great thing to keep praying until the answer comes. And you see them saying, well, I've got this, this great job to do and I can't do it. But Lord, you are the king. And ways will be found in your goodness and your strategy for that to happen. And you see them praying at the end, even the simple choice of choosing uh, what seems to be one person or two people who've got identical qualifications uh, to do the job of replacing Judas, it seems to be a very simple question, isn't it? I mean, you wouldn't, um, no boardroom in the city will take too much time if you've got two identical people, um, uh, knowing which one of the two to choose. But even in that very simple choice, they ask God to guide them to be wise. Now, we don't need to cast lots anymore. They don't do that again after they receive the Holy Spirit. That when we need wisdom, even for the simplest things, we might think, it's okay to leave confidence, to ask God to help us to choose. Now again, I suppose you could say, let me make prayer my New Year's resolution and to go uh, through it with iron uh, uh, will. But again, I want to suggest this isn't law, it is grace. And the more you are weak, the more 
you have reason to go to a king who is not phased by your weakness. And so it's a wonderful thing to know as we think about evangelism and church planting that here is a king that in our complete helplessness and dependency we can go to uh, for his intervention and help. And then lastly, scripture. How does the king lead us? Well, Acts tells us that he'll do it through what is written in the Bible. In verse 15, uh, they have their first church meeting and somehow Luke's got hold of the minutes. And Peter's words are full of Bible. And that's reassuring, isn't it? Because, uh, dear Peter, we all know that he is the slow learner in the pack. And even he's got there and understands it's the Bible that will guide their next steps. Why is that? Because Jesus has been meeting with them for those six weeks and he has been in uh, Luke 24, uh, 27, for example, uh, opening the scriptures to their minds and opening their minds to the scriptures, telling them that it's actually all there in the Bible. They don't need to look anywhere else to make sense of what's going on. And so now when they understand that they don't ask Jesus for new words, something uh, the church really must not do. But they go to uh, the scriptures and follow what he said there. So when he actually talks about replacing Judas, he doesn't say, you know, God told me in my quiet time this is something I should do. Although it may well be that in his quiet time he'd read Psalm 69 109 uh, that said that Judas needs to be replaced. But it's the Bible that Peter now wants to act upon. He knows there were 12 men at the start of Israel and uh, Jesus chose 12 new men to build his kingdom because the leaders of Israel would now reject him. And Judas has left a gap which now needs to be filled so that in chapter 2 verse 14 there will be 12 men standing together when Pentecost comes. And so therefore they get their understanding of what they should do next from Scripture. Now again, you see, it is possible, isn't it, for us to use this in a legal way to say, drive it home and say, look, guys, you've got to go back and read your Bibles. Otherwise, you won't want to know what to do next. But here's the thing. This is something that is only going to happen, really, if we go behind the discipline and load up a foundation of grace. Because we read the Bible because it's a wonderful place to grow God's wisdom uh, as we grow our confidence in Jesus as our King. And that way we're able to make decisions as we see the, the greatness of Jesus King. We can make those decisions that in the end will make our lives evangelistically attractive to others, that we'll take the gospel out, that we'll be uh, helpful in the next stage of the gospel thing that needs to be done. And that's how we have our lives led by the king. And we are disciplining ourselves, if we want to discipline ourselves in that direction, because of that desire. And we should discipline ourselves with that desire. Because, my brothers and sisters, if the apostles are led in this way to know what to do next, then we are in dreamland if we can think 
that we can dispense the Bible and prefer the direct line from heaven. It's got to come from here that we understand the greatness, the majestic power of our King, that we might then live our lives and frame them accordingly. Now, what can we make of all that? Uh, let me do what I normally do, which is to try and think of three different groups of people who might be helped by Acts 1 as we uh, come to close. First, if you're new to Christian things, why not recognize that there are major, big signposts to tell us that God is there if you're not sure whether he is? Now, how is it, for example, that the gospel has gone out, that the, the work of Jesus has been done, that there are churches like this telling you that Jesus is alive. How can that be if Jesus is dead? Just do the maths. And don't make the mistake of saying, well, okay, if Jesus is alive, let him come and prove it to me in some tangible way that I can check him. My friends, if you look at verse 3, you see that there are many uh, uh, evidences, many convincing proofs that he gave to his disciples when he was alive. And it's all there in Scripture. And it's arrogant, isn't it, ultimately, to say, I, I won't believe any of that unless I see it for myself. Just imagine a judge saying, now I, I really can't come to any conclusion in this matter because I didn't actually see it happen. I wasn't there at the time. That would be crazy. Just as crazy as someone saying, I'm not going to believe in Jesus because all these things happened and I wasn't there. And he hasn't done it for me. Now, my friends, it's as you humble yourself and say, yes, I can see the many convincing proofs. I see in there every reason that I should turn away from my life as I lived it in the past and live newly for the Lord Jesus uh, and to make his goodness known to others. It's as we think humbly like that that we will see that although Jesus is physically absent, he is actively present in your life. And you see that picture unfold as you go on. What happens if you've been to church lots of times and we want to know what this might uh, have to say to us because it is true, isn't it, that there are many people who go to many traditional churches and they've done it all their life and yet somehow the penny hasn't dropped. Well, I think we haven't looked closely at the Judas bit of the story, but let's give it a passing mention because it's possible to be really part of something but not really to be included at the end. And I think there's a warning there for us as well. I mean, just look at verse 17 and the privileges that Judas has. He's been with Judas, uh, Jesus from the start. He was chosen to be a disciple. He had the privilege of knowing all about him, counted amongst the disciples. Would you believe it, receiving a portion in their ministry? And yet he dies under God's judgment. Verse 18. How did that happen? Well, I think interestingly in Acts, actually there might be a key here, uh, that you go on and read that actually money is a good indication of whether someone's a real disciple of Jesus or not. Generally, as you read Acts, you see that generosity is a mark of someone who really has a deep trust 
uh, in God's control over their lives. But Judas, uh, if you look at his field buying uh, uh, in Acts chapter 1, we'll see that his decisions are made for money and for what he could possess rather than for the gospel itself. I think that's the mark of somebody who isn't a real Christian. They're not sold out for the gospel, and in the end, when the kingdom doesn't give them all that they want to in the here and now, they veer off into something that will. But sadly, Judas gained a field, and he fell in judgment. It's a warning, isn't it? What happens if we take our eyes off the gospel and living for it? And what if you are a real believer? Well, my brothers and sisters, I want to suggest that if Jesus is actively present, even though physically absent, that there is great confidence that uh, we have uh, reason to have through this here. Look, uh, as someone prayed, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty, isn't there, around Brexit and what's going to happen next week or perhaps beyond. The thing that we need to know is that this Jesus is coming back and all that we want to have in good government is going to be included in that kingdom. And that could be very soon. And the anticipation of that will make a bigger difference to us than Brexit will, whichever way it goes. And so therefore, don't be put off by today's political pessimism or today's political optimism. Jesus and his eternal kingdom will make a far greater difference to us than anything else ever will. And so, as we see Jesus is present, even though he's physically absent, Let's love the way that he uses the ups and downs of this coming year in our lives to show outsiders that he is our king. Be confident that that's what he will do. That's the purpose that he will achieve in this new year. And don't be put off by your own weakness. Get to know them. Get to own them. Get to be honest with them. And allow them as friends to take you straight to the king who will make a difference even in your weakness. And don't think that wisdom is out of reach. Stay in the Bible and we'll find there all the confidence we need to make him attractive as we bring him to the attention of others. It's a wonderful thing. We had a little bit of a glance of God's glory as we, as a Iranian chap who stays with us, um, came for a week two years ago, and uh, it's just wonderful. We have Bible studies regularly. Now, I've been away for two weeks over Christmas. Well, just over a week. Uh, he exaggerates. He said he's um, really uh, felt that, um, that 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 this has been a big thing missing, and we had this Bible study together. And uh, we looked at uh, John 3, and he was just absolutely mesmerized by the goodness of Jesus that came across. And he, it was so lovely to hear him pray at the end, 
uh, Lord, please, will you give me the job of making you known uh, to uh, everybody I know as I teach. I teach him the Bible um, in the morning and then he grabs a group of Iranians to come to our church in the evening. He takes them into a little side room when they're having the main teaching session and he teaches them what I've taught them in the morning. And wonderfully, there's now even a couple of Iranians uh, who phone up uh, from Tehran to join in the Bible study. So they've got their mobile phones propped up and they're hearing that uh, having a conversation. Uh, and, uh, and because I've been aware, and the Tehran people haven't had their Bible study because we didn't meet last Sunday, uh, they were phoning him in the week and saying, can we just have a Bible study, throw one together, and we can meet up and, and study Scripture together. Because it is just so compelling to see the great goodness of God coming across in that way. Farmer is a bit of a bruiser. He used to be a street fighter in Iran. Uh, on New Year's Eve, <coughs> some Iranians invited him to uh, go to London. And as all Iranians do, they have phone calls in the middle of the night. And so he was on the phone uh, while his friends went off somewhere else, just sort of wandering the streets, having this conversation. And three guys turned up, absolutely drunk. And uh, they hit him very hard in his eye. He's sporting a very big black eye at the moment. Um, so is jaunty, but he tells me for different reasons. Um, and and there he was. And, and dear old Faramaz, he just sort of kicked into normal mode at that moment. And he split the guy's face. Um, uh, Faramaz is, is actually not the person that you want to go and hit, uh, aim at his eyes or any, any other part of him. Um, his body is full of bullet wounds and uh, knife cuts. But uh, anyway, he just simply lost it for a minute. Uh, and as these three guys ran away, because there were three guys who sat on him, and uh, the other two uh, decided that um, there were other things to do in the evening than to take on Faramaz. And as he went, he just simply came home. And very interestingly, when he came back, he didn't want to talk about his uh, war stories, he just wants to say, now what's the next thing I can tell my friends about Jesus? Let's study the Bible together so that when I am talking to them, I can tell them how great he is. Friends, that is what happens when we go into, into Bible study and, and study scriptures. That's a grace-driven desire. It's not because I'm twisting his arm and making him do it. And it's a lovely thing for us to, to be able to grow our confidence in scripture so that we live there and grow their new confidence about the goodness of Jesus that we can then make known to others as well. I can stop there. Uh, pray. And let's do that. Maybe just in one moment, have uh, just a, a second or two while you think of what God might be saying to you through that tonight, through this passage. And after a moment of quiet, I'll try and find a summary prayer.
Let me pray. Father, thank you that the Lord continues to do things and to teach things. And if there's anyone here for whom that's strange, please help them to see the big signposts that show us that the Lord Jesus is alive and that he is king. So they may lead new lives for him this year. And give us all the ambition to make him known in uh, new opportunities every day. And to know your presence in each one as we seek to commend you. To know your help in our weakness that we might go to you in prayer. And please help us to grow in our ability to make the Lord Jesus attractive to others as we live in Scripture and learn of him there. Please deeply work in us by your Spirit. For the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen.